Welcome to Revenue Jam, powered by Sales Assembly. With monthly live sessions, interviews with our executive team, and exclusive conversations with revenue leaders across B2B tech, this podcast is guaranteed to help you close the skill gaps across your entire go-to-market team. If you're looking for weekly, relevant, and timely content like this, go ahead and subscribe. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the first episode of Revenue Jam. We're excited to build this podcast to help revenue leaders close the skill gaps across their go-to-market team. Today, we have the illustrious Alex Mislon, VP of Product here at Sales Assembly, and I'm Matt Green, Chief Revenue Officer of Sales Assembly. Now, Alex, a little bit of behind the scenes you know, information here. You recently hosted an internal session here just on the current state of revenue readiness. And it was pretty staggering. I mean, for the for the lack of a better term. And some of the data that you shared paints a really different picture than I think many revenue leaders right now may actually want to admit to themselves. So I'd love to hear you kind of expand your thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah, Matt. Thanks for that. And I'm really excited about this conversation today because for our revenue leaders to take steps toward making improvements in their organizations. They've got to know the information, right? And sometimes that information is really hard to digest because it's not great. But across B2B, about 43% of sellers are hitting their quota, which is not great, right? There's a lot to be desired in that number. Also, about 55% of sellers, when surveyed, say they lack some of the basic skills they need to be able to do their job well. Um, but I think one of the biggest pieces is you know how that manifests is that 82% of decision makers feel like the reps that they're interacting with in a sales call are unprepared, right? So that's like a really icky stat. And sorry for the data dump there. I know that's a lot of metrics and information. But when we look at the current state of revenue readiness, most revenue team members just aren't ready to meet the demands of their job. And that's a really unfortunate thing when there's a lot of pieces of that that could be different. And so essentially what that happens when you see that in an organization, how that negatively impacts the bottom line is what we see happening in the market right now, pretty prevalent way, but the inability to hit goals, right? That's a really tough thing and a a pretty visual thing, a, a pretty visible thing throughout the business. But the thing that's less looked at is like high turnover, things like reps leaving, you know, the average tenure for a sales rep right now is 18 months, which you're not getting a ton of time, losing a lot of intellectual capital with people as they leave. And it also just causes some inability to pivot, right? Because things do need to change with the way that the market conditions are right now. And some people are expanding ICP. Other people are looking to get into markets they've never served before, verticals they've never served before. So with the lack of ability to adopt with some of those skills, it just takes it, it makes that turning that ship a little bit harder. So all of that will kind of show up in that bottom line and in not a way that you want to see your business perform. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the, the data dump. I mean, the, the data is helpful to just have a foundational level of understanding of what reality looks like right now, which is critical. I guess the, the million-dollar question is, why, in your opinion, are revenue teams not ready. And you know, you mentioned something a moment ago, some you mentioned that a lot of this is manifesting recently, at least in a very visual way over the past quarter. It, you know, from what you're seeing, has it been a situation where revenue teams just were never really ready over the past couple of years? And it was just the whole rise in tide 
lifts all boats sort of things while the market was kind of carrying everybody along. And as long as people were hitting their their quotas and businesses were growing and companies were able to raise outside capital, it was just like out of sight, out of mind. It's a great question. I think there's probably a little bit of both, right? You know, I think the conditions right now are probably exposing some things that maybe got covered up on a day-to-day basis, just because everybody has such scrutinized budgets right now, right? Like in order to be able to get in the door for a conversation, there's going to be a lot of validation that's happening on the front end that wasn't necessarily happening before. Or there may even be the mindset of like, hey, we don't have any budget right now. So I'm not even going to take that, you know, answer that prospecting email of a tool I find interesting. So I think it's just having to kind of get even a layer deeper or be a little more sophisticated coming to those conversations just because of the the way that the market is right now. And I think the thing that was really staggering for me to find was, you know, reps across the board have like only 24% say they're getting coached on long-term skills, right? So then juxtaposed to 85% that say they're getting in-deal coaching, which like, yeah, of course, let's make sure that people get in-deal coaching. We don't want to stop that. But it's also not the multiplying event, right? If you lean into that skills development, it's taking the horse to water, right? You're actually helping them become more productive and multiply on their own without having to worry about, you know, getting in on every single deal. And then it allows, you know, managers to kind of rise up and be a part of those those bigger ACB deals are, you know, the ones that maybe are a little stickier through procurement, something like that. So I think that there is a lot of opportunity to lean into skills coaching. That's kind of the, like you were mentioning, like the, the tide that lifts all boats, right? Like there can be a focus on skills. It likely can take people to a different level of where they're coming into their functional need to do their job day to day. And enablement is a huge helper here. Three out of four companies report that anywhere from six to 20% increase of revenue has happened for them once they've hired enablement into their orgs. So, you know, there's a, it's a significant stat, like that's a helpful function to have inside of your organization. So I think it's really helpful to kind of lean into enablement here so that you know you're going to have somebody focus on this skill development, focus on people's ability to continue to grow within their role and and learn and grow with your customer base as well to make sure that they're understanding things. Yeah, that's, again, more interesting data. You mentioned some a few moments ago, 24% of sellers say like, hey, you know, I'm I'm getting the skills training that, that I need. Whereas, you know, 80% are saying like, yeah, I'm getting a deal coaching, mm-hmm. right? You know, that, that, that's a huge delta between those two numbers. And it's interesting because we, we talk to a lot of leaders day to day. We see a lot of leaders on LinkedIn or, or other platforms talking about how they have this really great coaching culture mm-hmm. internally. So from your perspective, and maybe the, we're answering our own question because the data seems to support this when, People have been talking about a coaching culture. Has it just been like the wrong type of coaching where it's like that just in time last minute? Like, sure, if you're in a deal, we're going to coach you, but we're not actually going to, you know, provide that skills based, that competency based training at the very, very front end. Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'd say I'm not going to knock any type of coaching, right? So if somebody's getting coaching within their organization, you're doing it right. You know, I think the thing that is maybe an opportunity for improvement is just getting to the problem before it is actually a problem, right? So 
when we're in late stage deal coaching, there's probably things there that could have been avoided had we provided foundational skills training to get people further along, right? And making sure that you're expanding your resources, that you're not needed to be on every single call late stage or anything like that, because your reps can close it on their own, you know, and, and closing deals is a big thing that, you know, enablement's always going to want to equate their work to, right? So we see companies with enablement have a 7.5% increase in overall win rates compared to companies that don't. It's a big deal. I mean, I know it's a small percentage, 7.5, like you might not look at that numbering as a like staggering number, but if you're looking at a 60 to 100K deal size, you know, between 50 to 100 deals a year, seven deals a year, increase in 7.5%. I mean, there's a possibility of a team with enablement to one that doesn't have it of like $2 million in between that, right? It's a significant number. So I think it's just really shows how important enablement function is inside of a revenue organization to help drive the outcomes that you're wanting to see from the team. Yeah. So, you know, the analogy might be a stretch, very similar to medicine. I mean, what we're talking about is like preventative medicine mm-hmm. versus like, oh my God, I already, you know, have, you know, skin cancer, right? So now, yes. now I got to go to the doctor as opposed to, you know, taking steps well in advance to mitigate that, that type of risk, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things is it's tough right now, especially in the being a former enablement practitioner myself and having a lot of folks in my network who are in that function, it's tough to see that it's been one that's been hit really hard from a layoffs perspective because it is a multiplying organization within inside of a company. So, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes equate like selling success directly back to a single training initiative. But I think that that's something that enablement practitioners are getting better at every day. But, you know, only 40% of businesses with a sales team of 25 sellers or less have enablement in their org, right? So you were talking smaller companies, 25 sellers. It's still a team that needs support, right? And not somebody's not coming to work every day thinking about how those people can drive revenue. And so you get the opposite end of 80% of organizations with 500 sellers or more have enablement on their team. So like there's an understanding as you go up market of the validity and the necessity to have an enablement team in order to perform at the best. So, um, you know, I can't, I feel like sometimes it's seen as like a luxury for like small to mid-sized teams, which is tough because it is really a multiplying factor within the organization. Yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned before what seven and a half percent increase in deals and win rates in revenue. I mean, I'm a simple minded, be an optimist. So I'll just like round up, say like, oh, 10%. I'd personally <laughs> take 10% more deals and more revenue every every day of the week. But you know, we've been we've been talking a lot about enablement so far, understandably so. But I know that today we really want to talk about readiness. And again, me simple minded, it's like, aren't those kind of like the the same thing. So what what is the difference from your perspective between enablement and readiness? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to kind of see this as like a hot take at times, but I do feel like this is becoming more and more accepted. You know, enablement in and of itself is such a young function, right? This isn't something that if you look back to a revenue organization 20 years ago, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that was enablement, right? It started to really blossom over the past 10 to 15 years. 
So it is a relatively new function. And as it started to evolve, I think people are starting to differentiate the kind of craft within there, right? The enablement is the kind of overall function, but within that is where readiness lives. So when you think about enablement, we're going to be thinking about the content and tools to make people successful as sellers, right? Or as revenue generating employees. It's really kind of like a whole rev org function. I'm thinking about from, you know, all the way at the beginning of pre-sales to very, to renewal, like how are we thinking about um, how the, the, the content and tools that are needed for those people to be successful, big focus on change management, big focus on internal comms. There's going to be collaboration between product marketing and the enablement practitioners and revenue leaders. Like it's really kind of all hands on deck with the idea there's the hope to drive effectiveness. Like that's revenue effectiveness is really what they're looking for of results and productivity. Where on the other hand, readiness is kind of a slice inside of enablement where it's like taking all of those content and tools and then saying, how are we doing this with real world application? How are we actually putting this into practice? What does that look like? It's a much more focused approach. We're thinking about things like assessments and training and coaching, skill development. And so what this looks like when I'm thinking about the end results is reps are prepared, they're efficient, and there's kind of a standard of excellence, right, that you're looking for from a coaching culture. And this kind of leans more into the actual like enablement team itself, but then also revenue leaders. So that's kind of, it's like product marketing's kind of done their piece, right? They've handed off the content that needs to be used. And now this is more from a overall philosophy standpoint, and then also how it leads into execution from a revenue leader. Okay. And I guess shifting the mindset towards being solutions oriented, right? And understandably, this is going to be a broad question. How do we fix it? Right? Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot to be able to dig into here, but I think the thing to start out with is just People who are in enablement roles or people who care about enablement within a revenue organization generally get there because they care deeply about the success of the people in those roles, right? I don't think anybody really heads into that role with like, yeah, I really want to like just build content all day or like, you know, some people are very excited about instructional design and that's great, but always with the end goal of the learner in mind, right? So the people that head into these roles really care about the development of the people they're they're serving inside the organization. And so I think it's really important to understand that there's different components of sales readiness. And I I would say I'll break it down into three. I think you could argue there would be a fourth, but product knowledge, process knowledge, and skills development with that fourth possibly being like industry knowledge, I would lump that into product knowledge as like part of the overall ICP. But I think what happens in a lot of organizations is that people get caught in the like product and process never ending wheel. Like there is always something happening within an organization to address from a, hey, we've got this new feature or we've got this opportunity to sell as a suite instead of just a single product, right? So a lot of opportunity for people to learn about what their products and services are actually offered by their organization. So that's kind of a consistent development in tech, especially. And then there's process knowledge, which like 
the RevOps team is really going to care about, right? <laughs> Did you fill out the appropriate fields in Salesforce or HubSpot? And have you looked at your forecast and, you know, like the actual process of getting their job done? And so I think that there's a, a lot that goes into that to make sure that an organization can forecast appropriately, look at churn appropriately, like all of these things are really important for people to know and adhere to. So it's definitely a top-down approach of like making sure people have the process knowledge. And sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is because of the consistent demand in those two areas, there just isn't enough time to get to skills development. And so either skills development is kind of like a flavor within the overall meal of like a product and process training, right? But there's maybe not time to pull somebody aside and work very specifically on a place they're either excelling and allows them to move into the next tier of their role or that they're struggling and it's causing performance issues. So skill development tends to be the thing that when I've worked with enablement practitioners in the past, it's like the inspirational place to be. Like, yes, we really care about skills and we want to make sure we get there. It's just like, that's our next hire or that's our next initiative or, you know, it's like on the docket, but unfortunately always just gets deprioritized amongst all the other things that they're responsible for delivering to the business. Yeah, maybe that's an interesting way to, to tie this back to what we were talking about a few moments ago, the illustrating the, the difference between having a culture of coaching and a culture of learning. Yep. Right. You know, it sounds like that that's probably two very distinct different things. So, you know, we I, you know this and the the people that are likely listening to this right now know this, you know, sales assembly, a big part of what we do is working with couple hundred B2B tech companies that are trying to build, you know, and, and foster and maintain this culture of learning. So from your perspective, working with as many companies as you do day in and day out, if a company is trying to figure out just how to get started, right? Walking away like, hey, here's one or two things that I need to start doing right, right away to start fostering this culture of learning versus culture of coaching. Yeah. How can they get started? That's great. You know, I think one of the biggest pieces is like it's no matter where you plant the seeds and where the effort comes from, from like a grassroots perspective, I think there's always going to be a limitation if it doesn't come from the top down. So there has to be an investment from the overall revenue organization that they care about the development of their people. So I think that that's like first and foremost. And if you're struggling to be able to like make this argument, some of the data we've shared today, but there's tons of data out there about how um, having a culture of learning actually leads to overall business success, right? So lots to dig in there. If you're trying to make a case from a data perspective to an executive team or whoever it might be to say like, hey, we really need to be more focused on this, but just making sure that you're meeting people where they're at, not holding arbitrary bars, kind of assessing your team, seeing where is everybody to be able to come in where there's an opportunity to, for it to feel like they get me, they see me, and they're trying to help me get to the next place, not just for outcomes of the business, but because they're invested in me as an employee. And I think you'll really see that in a lot of places with the culture of learning. One of the things to do that can be a real easy hack for this is just creating a consistent, dedicated time for learning. So I've seen this with a lot of orgs I've worked with in the past, where it's like, hey, every Friday we have 30 minutes and it's booked. And sometimes we have it and sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's like, and IC brings a problem and we all talk about it together and we work through it. And it's like workshop style. 
Other times it may be somebody from this other business unit, like maybe somebody from implementation comes over and walks us through detail how they go through that thing. And now I'm more aware to be able to take that information into a pre-sale conversation, right? So just having that dedicated time for learning can be a really easy way to start building this into the muscle that your, your company flexes. And then the last piece I would say is you have to measure it. <laughs> just like anything else in a business, measuring progress with learning is going to make it something that you keep top of mind, something that you can then correlate or look at causation from a data perspective to see like, hey, we didn't arbitrarily just have 3% increase in revenue. Like, look at all this stuff that we did that kind of led into that. So I think it's really important to be measuring what you're doing to make sure that you can back up why that culture of learning is so important. Yeah. All all great advice from, from the maestro. I think, yeah, the, the biggest takeaway, or at least maybe the most actionable, and I love this idea, it's just having that dedicated time on my calendar, just like you would block off like, hey, here's when, you know, I eat lunch. Here's when I play with my kids. You know, here's when I do this. Here's when I do that. Here's when we as an organization, or at least we as a team are going to be allocating some dedicated time towards learning and and development. So I think that's, you know, just leaving these folks with at least one actionable step that they could take away from this conversation today. I'd love for that to be it. And I think that's probably a great way to, to wrap up our, our conversation today. Thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your time, your wisdom, your expertise with, with not only me, but, but all the revenue leaders across the ecosystem. Oh, thank you, Matt. I love having a chance to chat with you and love talking about this stuff. I mean, people having joy within their work is such an important aspect of like getting up every day. And it's really hard to come to work when you feel like you actually don't have the tools and skills to be able to perform at your best. So this is the kind of stuff that uh, keeps me up at night, problems that I want to solve in my day to day to make people feel more confident at work. So being able to share any of this stuff is just a really, is really fun for me. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that we'll be having more and more conversations along these along these lines here in the very near future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revenue Jam. If you want more practical tips and sales leadership advice, join us for our monthly live sessions. You can join in the conversation with Todd, Sam, Jen, and Matt every single month by going to lp.salesassembly.com slash live. And if you're looking to close the skill gaps across your entire go-to-market team, go to salesassembly.com today to schedule a call. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.